Hi, and welcome to episode 29 of the QuietMark podcast. I'm your host, Simon Gosling, CMO at QuietMark. And QuietMark is the independent global certification program associated with the UK Noise Abatement Society Charitable Foundation. Through scientific testing and assessment, QuietMark identifies the quietest products in multiple categories spanning many sectors, including home appliances and technology, building sector materials, and commercial sector products. In February last year, QuietMark launched its Acoustics Academy, a brand new online platform to further equip and empower architects, builders and designers with a guide to expertly verified leading acoustic solutions for every building application area. Our Acoustics Academy is available via acousticsacademy.com or via the homepage of quietmark.com. And when a visitor first arrives at our Acoustics Academy, they're asked to select a building type. There's a selection which reads residential, commercial, educational, civic, infrastructure, governmental, healthcare, arts and entertainment, and public spaces. And in this episode, which we're calling Lights, Camera, Acoustics, well, you've guessed it, we're focusing on film studios, which can be found in the arts and entertainment section. Film and television production is the fastest growing sector in the UK economy. Last year, on the 7th of November 2020, The Guardian ran a headline which said, COVID pandemic fueling growth of film and TV studios in UK, in which Mark Sweeney, media business correspondent, said, as cinemas shut and streaming booms, real estate developers are spending millions on Hollywood-style lots in the UK. His article goes on to say, that week in November 2020, Barking and Dagenham Council had struck a £300 million deal to build a studio in East London that is expected to welcome its first TV and film productions as soon as mid-2022. And Dagenham is not alone as developers enter a race for space in the UK, banking on continued growth in demand fueled by streamers from Netflix to Amazon and Disney+. Last October 2020, Liverpool City Council submitted a planning application to create the city's first pop-up TV and film stages, which will sit alongside a much bigger development of the city's historic Littlewoods building, a 10-acre, 4-hectare site dubbed the Hollywood of the North, that will open in 2023. One company made ever more busy by this boom is Hawley, one of whom's partners, Barry Jobling, I'm delighted to have as our guest on this episode of the QuietMark podcast. On their website, Hawley described themselves as engineers of human experiences, saying, We are problem solvers who care about how a space makes you feel when you step inside, who bring buildings to life. We overcome every challenge with ingenuity, determination and pride. And Hawley have been busy working on the acoustics of many film studios, Sky Studios Elstree, Pinewood, Space Studios Manchester, we'll hear about them on this show. And they've contributed to a new report from JAL called Real Estate, Film and TV Studios as an Investment. And that report, like the Guardian feature, states that demand for UK film and TV studio space is at an all-time high. The report includes contributions not only from in-house experts at Hawley, but also from the British Film Commission and Scott Brownrigg. It highlights that the demand for new studio capacity, services and facilities has never been greater, with up to 4.5 million square foot of new development under construction in order to meet it. This is more than double the current amount of permanent stage space in the UK. It cites that one of the key challenges to ensuring the UK can fully harness its untapped potential is the need to develop additional studio and stage space capacity across the UK. Across the UK, there's approximately 3.4 million square feet of permanent stage space and somewhere in the region of 1.8 to 2 million square foot of temporary stage space in play. Looking ahead, there's currently 920,000 square foot of further permanent stage space committed to be built by 2024 and a potential further development pipeline of 3.6 million square feet under construction. 
With so much film studio building in the pipeline, let's now introduce Barry to tell us more about it. Lights, camera, acoustics. So welcome to the show, Barry. Hi, Simon. Thanks very much for having me along to have the chat oh you're very welcome thanks for accepting the invite uh we were talking about Hawley in the introduction there and uh, a little bit about your history but you're better equipped to tell us all about that so let's start with yourself barry so yeah simon i'm a, a, an acoustic consultant uh, probably getting on for 25 years mm-hmm. um i'll probably go a little bit david brent here but uh, i guess i'm in the business because i've failed at becoming a a rock star <laughs> you and me both what was your instrument? I'm a drummer. Yeah, uh, I've had a go at many, uh, I guess, guitar badly, and uh, I like to have a go at some vocals, but uh, a long time ago. Um, but oh, yeah, enough David Brent. But, you know, I like an awful lot of people uh, doing this sort of work. Music's a, a big love. It's a recurring theme, yeah. Oh, okay. So Absolutely. what happened when you put the guitar down? Well, we called it a day, uh, and uh, off we went to university like an awful lot of people. And uh, I started in uh, civil structural, moving into environmental engineering, uh, and part of that uh, involved some exposure to to acoustics. And I think, like a, a lot of people, you know, it, it's often the person that you're working alongside. And for me, Carol Horashenkov was one of the uh, professors. Um, and, you know, I ended up doing a sort of final year dissertation on, you know, canyon effects, oh, wow. uh, looking at, at, at uh, traffic noise. And uh, re- really, I was hooked. Uh, that said, I went off and got a job doing something completely different uh, down the sewers. Oh, um, yeah? Which was interesting, environmental engineering, because at the time, that's what was available. And, um, you know, we were trying to connect up all of the various uh, underground uh, the, the sewage network. I mean, there was a little bit of acoustics there because often the way that you would try and connect up um, stuff that wasn't mapped was to bang on uh, manhole covers. Uh, <laughs> so that, that, that kind of got me going. But at the time, I was um, obviously applying for other things. And uh, way back then, I actually did an interview in a phone box uh, so that probably says just how long ago it was. Um, and in that telephone interview, you know, I was asked the question about uh, whether I finished with working at concerts and festivals, weekends and in the evenings. Uh, and, you know, would that be a problem? Well, can you guess what the answer was? Uh, so <laughs> off I went to um, Simon's group uh, as a, a, a you know, an assistant acoustic consultant and had an amazing time. And the first week of that actually was uh, up to work with the Verve uh, on their homecoming gig uh, at, at Hague Hall, where you know I was actively involved in helping set up the sound system, primarily to to help uh, limit the sound propagation to to keep the neighbours happy, yeah. working directly for the for the production team. So, you know, a, a really exciting uh, introduction to acoustic consultancy. Fantastic. And a bittersweet symphony of a story. Thank you for sharing it with us, Barry. <laughs> and uh, you ended up at Hawley. So tell us about how you came to join Hawley and what you do there and what they're all about. Yeah, well, there, there's a there's a bit of story there. So I, I got a bit of a bug from uh, carrying out a, a master's part time. Uh, I went off to work at the National Physics Laboratory mm-hmm. as a senior research scientist. Um, yeah largely really to, to kind of get the bad, best out of uh, some of the, the researchers there, um, produced a few papers, but I, I was 
probably most excited uh, being involved in trying to formulate longer term research programs mm -hmm. for the for the DTI back then. Right. Um, and what we used to do was basically invite in various industry people uh, and ask them what their problems were and see if we could design research around uh, those problems to improve uh, how you go about mainly, you know, improving measurements. And one of the people that we would invite in was Andrew Billmore uh, from Horley, really set, set the, the, uh, the group up. Uh, I liked his contributions and we got talking and I realized really that uh, a life in research wasn't going to be for me. So in 2004, I jumped back into consultancy with Horley and well, I guess I haven't looked back since. I'm now a partner of the group and that's about 40 of us covering acoustics, noise, vibration, audio design. And you know, we've got a, a really clever, fantastic bunch of people that are enthusiastic and yeah, interested in what they do. Horley's got uh, a long and interesting history, and um, we've actually just undergone uh, quite, quite a big change. But if we go way back, and that's over 150 years ago, uh, Henry Lee was actually the first chap to uh, announce himself available for consulting, and uh, you know that he he was the the first to design uh, implement the, uh, the a ventilation system into a hospital. Royal Victoria in Belfast. Henry Lee also worked on uh, introducing electric lighting into Birmingham Town Hall, uh, which was for us really exciting to then be re-engaged in the project to refurbish it uh, a few years ago, okay. uh, culminating in the, uh, the design of a really pretty innovative, um, movable and transparent overhead stage reflector. So that, that was exciting and, and sort of brought the circle around but over the years look we, we've been we have evolved continuously um it's a an m e firm um mechanical and electrical engineering firm at the core but we've we've developed a whole range of services that uh, that support the design of buildings basically all the things that make a building work and acoustics was the first established and um we, we've built on that ever since Amazing. And you said as well that there's been uh, exciting changes quite recently. I know and have read about your uh, the that you've been through an acquisition of mergers with uh, Tetra Tech Incorporated, an American Pasadena, California-based consulting and engineering yeah. services firm. And that's enabling you to work on what you described to me when we first spoke uh, as more of the wheels of acoustics, including underwater acoustics for wind farms at sea. So tell us more about, if you can, about what you're doing with Tetra Tech, what that means to you, and how it enables you to branch out into areas that you may previously not have been able to work in. Yeah. Well, look, the world's changing, changing fast. We've seen, we see climate emergency. We've had the pandemic, got societal change, we've got globalisation, digitisation. And we've been wrangling with, with, with these things and felt that um, we really needed a step change if we're mm -hmm. going to be relevant and have an impact and continue to meet meet our ambitions. You know, we are ambitious and we've always evolved from those early days to today. And a big move has been to join forces with Tetra Tech. That's a, a 20,000 strong network of uh, other consulting engineers with capabilities right across the built environment and around the globe. 
Um, they were set up in the 60s by a group of four scientists, uh, one of whom actually was an underwater uh, acoustic specialist. So, you know, it's, it's exciting times, and I believe it's going to bring a lot of opportunity for our people. We in acoustics are now joined up with a, a, a network of a community of um, uh, over 150 acousticians. Uh, recently presented to uh, them uh, uh, across the globe at uh, different time zones, which was interesting. Um, and, uh, and one of the things I did there was to put up the uh, uh, Lindsay's Wheel of Acoustics, something that uh, was devised way back in, in 1964, mm-hmm. and that covers all of the various aspects of acoustics that might touch our, our lives and work. Um, and it was interesting to sort of present the areas that that we and Horley might cover, um, which could be architectural, acoustics, and design of film studios, that that sort of thing, um, but but open it up to see what else you know acousticians might might cover off, and one of those certainly was uh, underwater uh, noise and acoustics. And in the introduction, uh, I spoke about uh, the film sector being one of the fastest growing sectors in the UK at the moment. And you are extremely busy uh, in the world of film studios. I'd love to hear more from you about the challenges that that presents and um, some of the projects that you've been working on. What can you share with us? Yeah, it's a a really um, booming industry uh, at the minute. And we've been very lucky to uh, have uh, got involved and continued and um, we were recently uh, appointed as the uh, advisors to the British Film Commission. We cut our teeth on Warner Brothers Studios, uh, Leavesden. Some people might know of the uh, Harry Potter uh, experience associated with that. Absolutely. uh, Yeah, we we arrived on site uh, and that was a space that they were making the most of. It was originally a Rolls-Royce uh, facility and then beyond uh, Leavesden we moved on to Space Studios in, in Manchester which is big movie stroke TV studios uh, and we've been lucky enough to pick up all sorts of uh, d- different projects from from repurposing of industrial facilities through mm-hmm. to some of the really big developments that are happening at the minute so Eastbrook in Dagenham oh, yeah. um, Lots and lots of sound stages. Hackman Capital are the uh, developer there. Big ambition. Uh, funny enough, I was on site today inspecting where the, the sound stages had got to at uh, Sky Studios Elstree. Uh, they're amazing. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, amazing spaces. They are huge volumes. Some of these are 30,000 square foot area. Goodness. Uh, they go up. You know, I'm talking feet, I should talk meters. So yeah, what, what do they go up? <laughs> 15 meters in, in height sometimes. Um, so they're incredibly large spaces when empty, but also, you know, as you might expect, extremely quiet. Right. Uh, putting some numbers to that. I mean, we can be in the, the NR20, NR25. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, to give a bit of context, when uh, commissioning Warner Brothers uh, at Leavesden, uh, yeah, taking measurements of just how quiet we had actually uh, got to. There was someone standing at, I don't know, 50 metres away, uh, clunking the keys in their pockets, uh, at which point I had to tell them to uh, 
leave. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's that quiet. So, uh, and, and, you know, the reason we're you know, designing to those sorts of uh, levels is, I guess, twofold. One, so that the, you know, the talent uh, isn't distracted, that they capture the moment. Um, uh, and, and also that the dialogue is, is clean because, you know, the, the less they have to do in post-production, um, the, the quicker it is to get to the end product and obviously uh, cost comes into play. I suppose there's a couple of things you have to do. One is keeping the external noises out so that you don't hear cars driving past or planes flying overhead when you're when you're recording something. But the other side of things is making sure that the acoustics within the space is good for the sound recordists. And something I'm curious about, you know, li- regular listeners to the Quiet Mark podcast will know that I'm a massive fan of the Beatles. And George Martin, their famous producer, would often describe um, the walls of Abbey Road as you know a, a fifth member of the Beatles if you like he said that's why they went and, and recorded there and uh, the Rolling Stones went to Olympic Studios in Barnes and very much saw the room as an instrument but you're talking about a very dead sound would a film director just as a band chooses a recording studio for an album would a film director uh, choose a, a studio for sound reasons or would it really only become down to the size of the studio yeah, it's uh, look. It's a really interesting uh, industry. They are uh, incredibly adept at um, uh, just you know making making things work. Um, they they're probably reasonably secretive, if I, if I can say that. Sure. Um, I, I imagine uh, you know there are favorite studios uh, to go to. Um, from a from a sound point of view, it's an interesting question because actually, and I pick up the secretive point, we are with the British Film Commission uh, exploring with the people that really, uh, you know, uh, have control of the the sound environment, what it is they need. You know, we're speaking with um, uh, industry experts, sound recorders, engineers that. Um, they're able to tell us, you know, the, the good and bad, mm-hmm. um, what what they like, uh, and and from that we would hope to be able to go away and, and translate that into into design, into you know into specifications that we can meet what the you know the the users need. Um, they are incredibly dead spaces. Um, you know, the walls and uh, ceiling or roof are are absolutely covered in uh, high uh, high performance uh, absorption materials. Mm-hmm. We must keep the outside world noise out. Um, and I think one of the challenges has been with uh, the the demand. There's there's also you know a need to build these very quickly. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, studios were built from concrete. You know, the the the, the more the better. Uh, but that doesn't really work in terms of speed of build, in terms of cost. And of course, you know, that's got its carbon impact as well. So, you know, one of really dating back to some of the work that we had done on um, uh, Warner Brothers at Leavesden, you know, we looked to alternative approaches, looked to some of the big shed technology and how that could be enhanced. Uh, and, you know, that, that allowed us to, you know, come up with solutions that would, you know, 
be able to uh, meet meet the high demands of the uh, cost and uh, time pressure. You touched on futures there, and um, the previous episode uh, that I've just, in fact, launched today in um, in September, as we record, was called Sustainable September, and it looked at um, products which are listed on the Quiet Marks Acoustics Academy. We talked to various manufacturers of floors, ceilings, furniture, and talked to them about their sustainable credentials. And they were all, it was yep. great to hear so many of them so keen to sort of expose their, um, their sustainability credentials out of one needing to demonstrate to specifiers, look, here are our certifications that show we're sustainable, saying that specifiers were increasingly looking for sustainability credentials in the products they choose. How does that uh, come into play in your world well you've you've hit a chord um ah. for, for me you know the, the government has set out rightly so uh, a set of grand challenges as part of the the industrial strategy and for me clean growth is the one area that i think we can we can feed into we've got as acoustic consultants designers um really quite a an influential role in designing specifying materials and products that you know that that can improve the uh, uh and, and limit the the damage and impacts you know i was talking a minute ago about concrete in the past being a preferred uh product mm. I, I think it's the, the right thing for us to do as consultants to say look what else can we do here in terms of materials and products to reduce the embodied carbon uh, in in the buildings that we're designing and, and constructing, and I think that's something that acoustic consultants collectively have an opportunity to uh, change as we go forward. I think we're going to see in all buildings a move towards carrying out embodied carbon assessments, which will drive us towards improved product selection, um, moving away where we can from carbon intensive products like like concrete like like pure steel you know we're seeing recycled steel as a a, a, a product that was is going to change uh, from an acoustic point of view you know that we as i say you know we really play a part um we can we can achieve the same performance as lumps of concrete out of lighter weight materials we need a bit more space but on these sites we've got that space um, and that might involve, you know, lighter weight partitioning with um, the likes of rock wool uh, insulation and, you know, major cavities. And we have to pay heed to the importance of, of the detailing that goes with that. But um, there are different solutions. And I think we need to be brave as, a, uh, as acoustic consultants, designers, um, guiding on not just acoustic performance, but the provenance and and the carbon intensity of uh, various products. So Quiet Mark do a fantastic job at you know driving us towards quieter products. But actually, I think we now you know collectively need to go beyond that. We need to be thinking about the sustainability of the materials products that we're specifying, whether it's in a film studio or other buildings, schools, homes, offices the lot that's where i think acoustic consultants can have a you know a, a major influence in tackling climate change
Barry, I'd now like to ask you some questions about your audio-visual department at Hawley. I was uh, browsing your website and I saw a project that you'd done at Kew Gardens, which uh, took my eye because a few years ago, Quiet Mart launched the Quiet Treehouse uh, experience at Kew Gardens. And I saw you've also been working on an experience there called The Hive, a new immersive art experience. Tell us more about uh, that, if you wouldn't mind, and the work of your audio-visual department. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Simon. Look, The Hive is a completely groundbreaking, inspiring approach to creativity. We were um, lucky enough to be asked by Wolfgang Buttress, uh, an artist, to to help collaborate uh, and uh, come up with a with a theme around the the crucial role of pollination by bees. You know, we know they're under pressure uh, for for various reasons, and. Um, what what was interesting though, we moved away from the the norms of consultancy to to be at the table to feed into that uh, creative planning, if you like. Yeah. Um, technically, it's a it's a strange one. Um, <laughs> so this is a an art installation, but there was a a piece of um, sort of science and, and research. Uh, uh, that, that went alongside it with physicist and uh, bee expert, uh, Dr. Martin Bensick. Right. And so it was initially created for the 2015 Milan Expo to draw attention to the issues of food security, biodiversity, and, and obviously how uh, bees impact that. We, we basically set up a system where we had accelerometers or vibration sensors yeah. in, a, in a live beehive in Nottingham. And that sent out um, real-time signals that were processed, and we reproduced that as as audio, as sound, inside this. You know, uh, you have to get along to, to to see it, to believe it. But inside this this structure, and um, what we had was a, a three sixty surround system to experience what you know happened in in the hive and uh, and the interesting thing is there's absolutely no buzzing oh, um i was about to ask i was going to say uh, i can see pictures on your website of people sitting in this uh, amazing environment but if you're getting signals from a hive in nottingham are people hearing the inside of a hive is that what it's about uh, absolutely and you know the scientist was recording this data constantly to understand those behaviors um what's reproduced is actually more like clicks and beats okay. um and and what we did was um sort of merge that with um music that was uh, composed by spiritualized uh, I said that that was set up for the expo in, in Milan back in 2015. Yeah. The UK government, thankfully, sensibly, um, decided to bring it back. And it uh, was recreated, as you say, in, in uh, Kew Gardens. And, and it's open to, to this day. And I have to you know, give a shout out to um, Mike Bedford, who really was the, the technical creative mind uh they're working with them, Wolfgang, but an absolute showcase piece and um, one that one that we're very proud of. Oh, rightly so. And I have to ask you as well uh, about the Outernet. Um, it's already been described as a future London icon. We all, anyone who lives in London and goes to Oxford Circus, or I should say maybe more Tottenham Court Road, where uh, mm-hmm. the Dominion Theatre used to be. I can still remember my days with going past that theatre with Freddie Mercury statue, the uh, We Will yeah. Rock You show. But that junction's just been 
gridlock for ages, hasn't it, with the construction that's going on there. And I thought it was all about um, the rail lines, but it's not. There's this entertainment centre, the Outernet, coming to London, which looks incredible. I've seen pictures of that, again, that you kindly share with me. Tell us what that's going to be about. Yeah, again, super exciting space. Outernet London, it's an, an immersive entertainment district that's going to showcase music and film and arts and retail experiences. Uh, and I guess in, in real terms, that means maybe brands launching new products. It could be uh, video promos, music promos. Um, it, it's a really interesting space. It's actually open um, and it, it's it's going to be, you know, the walls absolutely plastered with uh, LED screens. Right. Uh, we've got a high fidelity immersive multi-channel audio system, uh, and in the background, an event uh, sort of infrastructure. Um, it, it's going to be, you know, showcasing uh, what you know what London's got to offer, and, and I think the hope is that uh, this could be rolled out around around the globe. Well, we're coming towards the end of the show, but there's one question I would love to ask you, uh, Barry, before we sign off. Um, you started at the beginning saying that you were uh, a guitarist, and uh, but you, you, you took a career in um, acoustics. And we have a lot of apprentices who listen to this show, and you've been you know, 17 years and a partner at Hawley. What makes a good acoustician? And what would you say to someone thinking of getting into that field? Well, interesting question. Thanks. I mean, look, <laughs> I, I, I said at some point, um, uh, you know, there are the, the people that uh, work alongside me are generally, uh, you know, are, are enthusiastic and interested. For me, I'm very privileged to uh, do a job that I find interesting and exciting. It's uh, highly varied. Um, there are we work across all sorts of different sectors. We focused in on film studios today, but with a uh, a job in acoustic consultancy, you get into all sorts of um, different building types and uh, you know, different analysis. Um, I guess you know you you absolutely have to have the you know the the technical excellence, the grounding, get that sorted early in your career uh, and the rest will follow through easier you know most of the the challenge that we end up having actually as consultants is uh, translating the backroom complexities into digestible advice you know that that our clients and teams alongside us can can understand and make decisions with uh, and ultimately you know we can we can work to integrate acoustic solutions into the buildings that uh, we, you know, we're entrusted to design. Do you have oralization technology which enables clients to hear spaces before they've been built? That's a, an absolutely key tool for us. Uh, we've been developing demonstration tools over the last 10, 15 years, um, you know, making the numbers real to people is is makes all the difference you know helps with that decision making process and you you know you can avoid a a 30 long page of lots of words and numbers and charts and you know get across the same information in a 10 minute 
30 minute uh, demonstration with a, with a client. So absolutely, I think as um, an acoustic community, we need to just continue to work at, uh, um, you know, converting what is often accused as a you know a dark art to something that is um, tangible and uh, easy for people to get the grips with because ultimately what we we want to to do is uh, is, is to be heard and to make a difference and Brilliant. to uh, work in the, uh, the 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 acoustic improvements to the, the buildings that we're that we're designing well Barry listen thank you so much for sharing your knowledge if the uh, academy ever put an, uh, an Oscar out for best design of a film studio acoustically I know who's going to be picking up that award I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today Simon thanks so much it's been a, a real pleasure and I say you know it's, it's really exciting times um, it's a, a privilege to uh, be involved in a booming uh, film studio industry and um, yeah just wait for all of these new movies to uh, <laughs> appear on our screens after after the break that we've had yeah exactly can't wait to see them and hear them thanks a lot Barry bye bye thanks Our thanks to Barry for taking the time to join us on the Quiet Mark podcast. At the beginning of the show, I mentioned our Acoustics Academy and how you select by building type to explore the expertly verified leading acoustic products and solutions for every building application area. And where, on this episode, we looked at film studios in arts and entertainment. In our next episode, we'll be exploring both civic and educational, looking at town halls and the new £100 million library at Bristol University. Discussing that with me will be Adam Cossey, who's a partner at Hawkins Brown. Established in 1988, Hawkins Brown is now the seventh largest UK architectural practice, working in a wide range of sectors including residential, infrastructure, education, workplace and civic, community and culture. Adam leads the CCC sector, which is involved in a number of projects including community and higher education libraries, as well as a number of town hall projects, providing new workplace environments for local authorities. Thanks again for taking time to listen to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you can join us again for that wonderful conversation with Adam. Bye for now.